0: Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. It's benefit season. We all know providing benefits is a cornerstone of employee retention. But many small businesses are priced out or completely disqualified from providing health coverage to their employees. Not any longer. Now, PCA members can get health coverage and they can even tailor options to meet their company's needs. To learn more about all the benefits PCA has to offer and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. In today's podcast, we feature an episode of Contractor Evolution from Breakthrough Academy.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Contractor Evolution. This is Benji. I hope you're doing really well. Listen, over the last decade, I have met countless contractors with the grandest of plans of building a software because they just can't find anything on the market that fits them perfectly. Some are too big and robust and complex and expensive. Some are too small and simple and they outgrow them quickly. Some solutions have some features, but not others. Contractors are picky and you want something that's just right. While I love it when people shoot for the moon, the reality is Almost no one follows through with this software creation ambition. Running your own business is a massive undertaking as it is. Who's got the bandwidth to create a CRM from scratch as a side hustle? Today on the show, I'm honored to have someone who's done exactly that. Tanner Mullen is the CEO of Premium Painting in Ocala, Florida, and the founder of Drip Jobs, the new kid on the block for painting CRMs, but they also serve other niches too. Now, today's conversation is about how Tanner found the balance and carved up the space he needed to run a successful seven-figure painting business while building drip jobs from the ground up. We also talk about the not as glamorous as it seems process of software development and some of the major challenges therein. And the craziest part of his story, guys, he doesn't code and he self-funded the whole thing. He hasn't taken a dollar of investment since this idea first popped into his mind. Tanner is a superhuman entrepreneur in our space. He's making some bold bets and they're starting to pay off. I hope his story and his wisdom provide you with some inspiration to be better and do more. Don't worry, this conversation is anything but a sales pitch for drip jobs. But if you are CRM shopping and you wanna check them out, we'll leave a link in the description. Okay, let's dive in with Tanner.
0: You're watching Contract
1: Tanner Mullen, we're so excited to have you on Contractor Evolution. I've been looking forward to connecting with you. I've, uh, I've been admiring you from afar for a while. Welcome to the show, man. How are you?
2: Oh, man, I'm fired up. What a pleasure to be here, Benji. Likewise, what you've built with uh, Contractor Evolution, man. It's something to be admired and happy to be here, man. Excited. Cool. We, um, we share a similar DNA
1: in the, bo- in the fact that we're both uh, from the, the, the painting world. Uh, we've both spent many pretty much like brothers many days with with uh, dried paint under our fingernails, picking latex <laughs> primer out of our hair. Um, today's conversation is going to be a little bit about like how how you've just done this incredible feat, which is balancing two very different businesses and doing both at an exceptional level. Um, you know, you are the sure. founder of of Drip Jobs, which is this this new and really exciting. CRM and marketing automation tool for painters but you also run a painting business you run like you run a seven figure painting business down there in Florida tell us a bit about your painting company and that part of your story and then we'll dive into the drip shop side of
2: it too Oh man! So the painting companies, you know, I, I love the painting company. I, I just, you know, that's that's my that's my passion of of running that business. And and what's cool is it's like a playground for optimization. Mm. I mean, it's really interesting. You know, I love inputs that give us direct outputs, and that's so cool. You know, we can try something new in terms of the way we market and see a result of whether the market responds to it. You know, we can alter our pricing a little bit and see a result almost immediately of how people react to that. And then of course you have the production side. I mean, that's so cool as well. You know, putting different teams together. Um, for me, I mean, it's just such an exciting business to be in because it's so flexible and you know, there's no structured way of doing things. So it's like, you know, you do something new and uh, that could become the standard. So for me, my painting business is, uh, you know, it's relatively small in comparison. We have twelve uh, phenomenal employees. I'm an employee model painting business. I do not and will not use subcontractors. Uh, we started small with me painting by myself. Uh, you know, really just kind of just figuring it out. I joked with you uh, when we spoke about how I used YouTube to figure out how to paint the outside of a house. Idaho painter, so baby. that's kind of where I started. Yeah, <laughs> Idaho painter, man. Yeah. He taught me a lot, so I can't can't knock him. He's
1: awesome. <laughs> so when did, when did you uh, when did you start? Premium. Is this is this a few years old now? And, and 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 why? Just give us kind of the backstory on it.
2: Yeah, yeah, man. I was working uh, I worked my way up, you know, the corporate ladder. I bounced around from you know, I started off in the restaurant industry as a server, then I came assistant manager, then I was a general manager, and I thought that was my path. Um, you know, I somebody who I knew got a job selling cars, and I'm like, man, that's lucrative and I don't have to work late. So I started selling cars. Didn't like that business, went into life insurance, you know, again, accumulating some sales experience. And then I finally landed at a bank. And, you know, the the craziest thing about that was, and I'm sure anyone listening could agree if you've been in this position, is that you see the finish line when you're in a corporate structure. And that just, you know, someone who's a visionary like me, I don't want to see my future. I want to create it. You know, and that was something that I had to really battle every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, so back home, you know, we had a little bit of a family issue. Uh, my mother had passed away and my father, who was a painter by trade, he, uh, you know, kind of just lost his, his, you know, his pizzazz for life and just, you know, really just needed needed a lift. Yeah. And I saw an opportunity. Um, you know, I noticed that in the business uh, of painting that, you know, the way he did it, you know, he struggled. You know, he did it by himself. My mom helped with the books and things like that, but it was just kind of messy. And I said, Hey, you know what? If I had took my sales experience and what I know about customer service from being in hospitality, um, you know, I could probably create a pretty good painting business. So, uh, I leveraged his experience and off the bat, you know, that was uh, that was how it got started. So I quit my full time, $80,000 a year cushy job with full benefits and yeah. everyone looked at me like I was crazy. I was next in line for a promotion and I started a house painting business and the rest is history. Yeah. amazing.
1: And uh, is your dad still a part of the business? You guys still working together
2: now? Now, Believe it or not, now he is. It didn't it didn't pan out the way we thought um, he had went through his own journey of sobriety. Uh, but I'm happy to say he's been sober for a year and he's now working with us actually on our carpentry side. So we actually have a carpentry side of the business that he uh, installs flooring and, and general carpentry for us. Amazing. So it's a really good thing for him to work part time with us. Uh, you know, so this way we don't butt heads too much.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> keep him out there on the other on the other division. Keep, yeah, keep on the, the other, other side. Yeah, yeah. Get healthy on a, a distance. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. It working so, with family. Happy, happy to is report
2: like, that he. Happy to report that he's still. He's still working with us. That's for sure. Um, and so on this journey, you at
1: some point obviously really felt a felt called felt the need to uh, like not just operate premium, but also start a new CRM like project. And so you, have started drip jobs, which is now, you know, totally yeah. seen the light of day. I see you guys at trade shows. I see your ads. Um, and, and I've heard lots about you from, from your users, but when and why did you start drip jobs? Take us back to that moment. Yeah.
2: Yeah yeah I mean you know it all starts back in car sales and as a car salesman you know some days you all you have is your CRM and your your job is to generate business so immediately when I got into the painting business Benji I was looking for that solution I went through all of the likes of Salesforce HubSpot Zoho all the big guys and although they had amazing features number one they were way too complex and number two they they had nothing to do with our business one had Follow ups, but it didn't have proposals. One had proposals, but it didn't do invoicing. So, I mean, there were so many things that we were missing uh, in that regard. So, I started to patch like seven or eight together. Um, And I found this program called Zapier, if you've heard that. It allowed me to do that. So part of my painting business early on was buying leads. Now, everyone has their opinion about buying leads. Mine was, hey, I want the exposure and I don't have time to knock doors, so I'm going to try this buying lead thing. And I learned the concept of speed to lead. Yes, And speed to lead is essentially... Well, actually, you know, believe it or not, the representative of the lead service that I was working with, because I'd never heard of this concept, told me, hey, when you get a lead, what you want to do is you want to call them as soon as you can, like literally within seconds of them filling out the form, because they're probably still on the computer or they're still on our website. And that's when they are most acceptable or susceptible to answer the phone call and book the appointment. So I said, well, challenge accepted. So anytime I got a lead, I called that lead immediately. And she was right maybe five times out of 10, they would answer the phone surprised and say, oh my gosh, I'm still filling out the form. And then I'd say, oh, this is great. And then I would book the appointment, but there was the other half of those leads that I would pay for. And this was frustrating because they didn't answer the phone, but I still was on the hook to pay for them. Mm -hmm. So I needed to create a way to automate the process of reaching out to those leads, whether it be text and email, but I didn't know that I was going to automate anything because what I was doing was what many of us do, copy and paste messages to them. So that's kind of where it all started was a matter of just kind of first finding the right solution but also automating the process of communicating with people when they needed to be communicated with the right message.
1: Yeah, that outbound call is so important and I I know as uh, like when you are when you are running a a grassroots business and you're out there in the field you're in the office you're running around town every day like it is such a grind it's so challenging to like pounce on those leads when you get them which you know you should but inevitably you're kind of you, you know, you miss a window because you have to deal with the client and right. then it's late and then you're calling right. them a day later and it's just right. like, you know, I, I remember this exact, this thing, right? You'd have a spreadsheet and you'd be, this is like before Google Sheets so it wasn't even the cloud. You'd have a spreadsheet. <laughs> Excel. and Yeah, no, it was literally yeah. Excel and you would sort of have a little coding system where some would be green which means they're fresh leads and haven't been called and then yellow's <laughs> had a call or two and then red is going yep. pretty stale and it all needs to be updated yeah. manually and then you forget who's who. And yeah. did I call this person yesterday yeah. or not? It's like, yeah. it's, I, I, it's, the pain is very, very real. So you were kind of going through that and, and not to mention buying leads or the sense of urgency is even more annoying. Yeah. Sense of yeah and you're like, okay, this, this, there's gotta be something better
2: there had to be. And you know what? I was full of paint at that time. You know, my hands were, I was peeling latex, man. I was, I was in it. I was, had a brush in my hand, the phone would ring. And of course I'd have to stop what I was doing, get down from the ladder, call that lead. And then they didn't answer. And then I had to go back up that ladder, ladder $100 poorer than I was when I, when I went, when I was first on that ladder, you know, and uh, a part of me would be a little, put off because again we're paying for it so from there it was a text and an email sent manually Um, and then of course the next day i I would remember hey i didn't i didn't connect with that lead that i got I, i got a call again let me copy and paste another text message and email and what i found benji was um you know the consistency of doing that which wasn't Consistent. It was just the consistent of. Oh my gosh, I have to send something to them. What I found was that maybe a week later or two weeks later, some of those leads would actually respond to me, hmm. and that's when I had the epiphany that I need to create something a little more automated to ensure uh, that I could capitalize on that opportunity.
1: So I'm. We'll, we'll kind of dive into the platform later. I, I want you to tell us sort of its core competencies and a bit about the design philosophy sure. behind it. But I tell you what is on my mind right now is like you are, like you said, in the field. <clears throat> on a brush how in god's name did you find enough space like like hours in the day but more importantly yeah. like clarity of mind as well to build a piece of software for, from the ground up uh while you're operating a yeah. business simultaneously i mean that just sounds like a tall order. yeah
2: It was a crazy turnaround, but it was a slow one. You know, it took me three years of running my painting business without building a software program um, to really appreciate and understand the power of systems. I had to create systems in the business. For me, um, what I saw systems as was freedom. You know, some people see money as freedom. I see systems as the next step to freedom, and then money comes after that. So for me, everything that I did in my business was surrounded around the end goal of freedom. So in other words, when I hired, I wasn't hiring painters. I was hiring future managers, Mm -hmm. right? I was looking for management qualities out of people that just so happened to paint. So although some people might jump at an opportunity for an experienced painter, you know, if the person didn't showcase to me that they could be trusted or they could, you know, accept blame and be coachable for me, that was what was number one because my end goal was to have an autonomous painting business, Mm -hmm. something that didn't need to be managed. Um, In other words, everyone would manage themselves and manage their projects and have some accountability on the job. And I started slow. You know, it was just a matter of looking at individuals and pretty much calling them up to the big leagues and saying, hey, you've never managed anything before. Here's your opportunity. It's going to come with more pay, but more pay comes with more responsibility. And, you know, I'm going to teach you how to manage not only a project because that's one half of management. It's how to manage customers, Mm -hmm. how to eliminate the phone calls that come to me, how to put out your own small sparks that will turn into fires. And if they turn into fires, that's when I come. So for me, like that's kind of how I formulated it. And really I can't do any of this without a solid team holding down the painting side.
1: Any thoughts on, uh, you've just, we've just kind of stumbled into something there that I find interesting. Uh, half, half of the job is managing the crew in the site. The other half, you could make the case that it's even more than half is managing the client. Do you, what have you found? really effective, um, as a leader, when you're trying to breed a culture of independence and problem solving and customer service, what have you found effective, um, Like in, uh, in training into your people when it comes to that managing the client piece, is it learning to read body language? Is it learning active listening? Is there, you know, is there, are there, are there techniques that you've, that you've given to them to sort of deescalate stressful situations? I mean, what works in in your world? Sure.
2: Um, you know, everyone comes with their own skill set when they get to me. Not everyone has a, has restaurant experience. Not everyone understands the, um, the ins and outs of hospitality and customer service. And to expect that out of individuals that are in the trades to the standard of which a manager would come equipped with that is unrealistic. So for me, you know, we don't have a customer service training because I know that customer service can only be taught through experience of problem solving and referencing past issues and utilizing those experiences. So honestly, think about me throwing a child into a pool to teach them how to swim. (laughs) You know, for me, it's like, you know, ultimately, if you call me with a problem, you're not going to get a solution from me. You're going to be challenged to figure it out yourself. Okay. And if it gets to that point where you've exhausted all the resources that you have to your disposal, then you're going to call me. And, you know, initially it's funny, whenever I bring on a new manager, they call me a lot. And it's because they don't want to make mistakes. Yeah. And what I've created is a culture of make your mistake, paint the room the wrong color, you know, don't order the paint on time, go through all those bad mistakes. We're going to coach on that. And then you're not going to do it again, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't want you to not tell me. And that's the problem is because if they don't tell me, I can't coach about it you know, so it's kind of like an open line of communication, but they know at this point, call me when there's a fire, figure it out on your own. I trust you. Mm-hmm. And I, and I verbalize that. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And maybe that's different from their last boss or last experience, but man, you'd be surprised what happens when you take people who have never managed and you give them an opportunity and you let them make mistakes. They become autonomous, the right person, not everyone, but you know, again, I trust you and utilizing the right communication is what is what I've, I've found that works.
1: I think those are that's such such great sound bites you just shared. I it's interesting that comment about the hospitality background. You're right. Anyone that has, you know, bartended or served or whatever and then and then made a sure. career switch in their mid-20s because they want to do more, you'll notice this air of like real calm demeanor, especially with people about them. Like nothing really frazzles them. And I'm connecting the dots now. I have, I totally have. Yeah, it's because you are used to getting yelled at and berated and dealing with yeah. you know hammered Absolutely. drunk people. And that's just a normal day in the <laughs> office for you. So you know, a, a grumpy Absolutely. old lady who wants to change colors midway through a, a wall's been painted is, yeah. is no big deal to you. It's a, it's a good point. Not a big deal. Um, the other side to this too is, what about like your priority management habits? How do you like, how do you, yeah, I'm talking like going back to early days now when you're kind of straddling both a painting business and a sure. software build, how do you manage your calendar and your time in such a way to create that space? I mean, you have a young family as well. Like there's just so many different demands on your, on your bandwidth. How do you carve out and sort of protect the precious space you need to run the business effectively and make sure it's achieving stable growth, but also, you know, assemble the Lego pieces that is a, you know, a SaaS product now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, interesting analogy. You know, I was a linebacker in uh, in high school. I played football, and the position I played was linebacker. And one of the the the, the I would say strategies that a good linebacker will coach will will tell that linebackers to read and react. In other words, the linebacker looks at what's going on first and then makes its move as opposed to the front line, which just goes forward. Right. right. They're always reacting. So for me, the second level to that is free safety. Right. That's the guy. That's the last level. OK. So for me, the way I build out my business is it's read and react. I know when to hit the hole hard. I know when the pipeline is slowing down i know when to go do estimates i know when to come and check on the team i know when to 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 make sure that you know the the sludge isn't piling up the pipeline so in other words like i've built my system in a way that i can read and react and utilize all of my time when necessary and then decompress and passively manage and passively sell um you know, because of, I've I've created such a lee, such leeway in my sales pipeline, because that's where a lot of the stress will come from if you're trying to manage multiple businesses. Is that the sales pipeline's slowing down? You know, the production team obviously needs work, and that's when stress happens. So I've been very good at anticipating uh, a slowdown. Ramping up marketing right hitting the hole hard yeah. going in and doing estimates and trying to secure big jobs And that gives me so much leeway as the ceo Whose primary responsibility is sales because production's well taken care of that i'm only utilizing it on an average 10% of my time running my painting business now Most of that of course is because I have a good software that's organizing everyone for me Communication is happening automatically and I can kind of take it all out of my head and putting it put it in put in a system. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I hope that kind of, it gives totally you some does Re- kinda how read do. and
1: react, bro. Like I, it's, it's, it's such a great way to put it. Linebacker is one of the most under sneaky, hard positions in all of sport uh, right. for that exact reason, because you're looking at the ball exactly. getting snapped. There's 11, 20, you know, yeah. big men yeah. in front of you. And you're trying to see what, is it a yeah. pass? Is it is a run. And you need to, you need to like make it, you need to see what's happening, make a judgment call and then execute. Um, yeah. And running a business is not, is not dissimilar. Um, so not it. it makes perfect sense. When you, you know, once you did kind of create some space and start investing uh, time and dollars and blood, sweat, and tears into the build out of drip jobs, how did you formulate your design philosophy? Because you mentioned before, like I tried Salesforce, I tried Zoho, HubSpot, probably some others you didn't mention and nothing fit perfectly quite for you. They were too big or too elaborate. Uh, they had some great functions, but not others. Now you have this cool opportunity to build something essentially custom for yourself. And I'm not saying that that's, I shouldn't say a cool opportunity. It's also an extremely difficult task that a lot of people try and very few actually follow through with. Um, so I'm not saying it's easy, but you have this unique opportunity to build something for yourself. Um, what is, what was the design philosophy behind drip drop? What what did you build it to do exceptionally well?
2: Sure. Yeah. As much as it, you know, I built it for me. I wanted to change the landscape of how sales were done in the contracting space. You know, what's interesting is that whether you use a system like DripJobs or not, you are taking your customer through a customer journey. And whether you write down what those steps and stages are or not, it's still happening. You're just storing it in your head. So for me, it was a no-brainer build out to create stages for each customer. It wasn't something that was is revolutionary at all. Not at all. The the big kicker is being able to automate The movement of those stages because that's a headache. You know, in other words, trying to keep track of everyone that you sent proposals to, or you have estimates scheduled for, or you have jobs on the schedule for, or jobs that are scheduled. I mean, if you look at it, there's 11 stages at minimum that you take a customer through if you purchase a lead. Now, if someone comes in organic, that goes down to nine, but that's just one customer potentially traveling through nine different cycles or nine different stages in their buying cycle. Mm -hmm. So for me, after four or five customers it's literally humanly impossible to stay on top of where they are number one and to communicate with them effectively number two without an automated process so for me like that was what it had to be it had to move the cards automatically and unlike any other software in the world it comes pre-built like that and that was the big that was the big game changer for us was just making sure that the monotony and the and the overwhelm of moving people in the right stages yeah. had to had to be
1: non-existent yeah that's really interesting and and so you you say you know this is not uh this isn't necessarily like a cutting edge thing. The idea of a customer journey is pretty, pretty well understood. Anyone that's worked in a sales organization or has, has done lots of sales and marketing knows the flow through from lead acquired all the way through to job booked and deposit, you know, collected There's there's many, many steps and each client needs different stuff, needs different things, different languaging, different reminders, different scheduling, different steps at every single layer. Um, But this, this just didn't exist for, for painters or for contractors. It was a, Really, that that glaring of a hole in 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 our little industry
2: for this? I don't think. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I think that none of none of what Drip Jobs has is like anything that's been invented. You know, you can right. go to Salesforce and probably build out a lot of this, but again, it's not for contractors. So there's going to be things that are missing. So what we looked at is that many other contractor softwares are very unilateral in terms of their features, you know, estimating and invoicing. Some have scheduling. But nowadays, the expectation of how people interact with businesses is I want to hear every step of the way. When I order on Amazon, I want a confirmation. When my package is delivered, I want to know that it's been delivered. So why can't we align with the market's expectation of how businesses should, or at least professional businesses should interact uh, with a software that automates those, you know, those communications.
1: It's interesting. We've had this conversation a few times. I, I, you, you probably have a perspective on it. Um, I call it like, the Amazonification of the customer. In yeah. other words, everyone yeah. is getting so used to this level of convenience and sure. digitization, and uh, just smooth operation of so many things that yeah. we purchase and consume now, from Uber Eats to uh, you know to, to purchasing stuff on Amazon to my to the way books show up on my Kindle. Like it, it's so right. good. It's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is that is that going to change consumer preferences for the trades and construction market? Are people going to expect more or different things from the average
2: painting contract over the next 10 years? I think it could it's going to happen by default. You know, in other words, if I'm competing against two other painting contractors and I'm the only one who sends you a text message as soon as you fill out our form and then a day later you get a nice synopsis of who I am, my bio, how I started my company, and then a day after you get sent a link to a YouTube video that shows you our latest project and that other the other two contractors They didn't send you anything, not a follow-up confirmation. They didn't send you the date, time, and location of your appointment. You don't even know the name of the person that's coming to your home. What that's gonna do, it's gonna elevate the standard. And that's what we're trying to do is essentially, hey, listen, I'm not gonna compete with price anymore. I'm gonna compete with meeting you before I meet you. And no one's gonna do that better than us. And I think that that's our competitive advantage. Ultimately, when we all show up at the door, the competitive advantage is you know, diminished ultimately at that point, you know, you get a quick interaction. Hopefully you build some rapport and then it's price time. Right. But if I've met you and you know me before I show up, you're expecting me, you're excited to meet me. And then you have a different mindset about me when I show up at the door. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's how I believe that the market is going to respond to, to this. And you've seen that with lead services. In other words, like people are in the same way, maybe 10 years ago, Benji, people would be a little weirded out if a random person came over and picked you up in their car and brought you to a destination that would be something that we would say hey don't get in the car with a stranger (laughs) that's true now (laughs) you know what I'm saying but now with lead services and lead generation it's almost like we are ordering home service help to our home to work inside of our home without meeting this individual so what's interesting about the way the software automation works is that even if there's a barrier of I don't know who's coming we can still build a relationship uh, you know that way yeah
1: it's so it's so it's so clever man and I I think you said that well one thing uh, it's a kind of a topic change, but one thing that I, I'm going to just say on your behalf that I just, I really like admire and love this about you is, you know, you are not a, uh, the stereotypical, you know, what we would say, like a tech CEO that sits in a crazy fancy office and whiteboards all day. And I'm, I'm joking. That's not what tech CEOs do. You, but what I'm saying is you are a hustler, not only are you still doing all of the sales and demos for drip jobs? So if somebody wants to like get on your platform, they meet you. Not like, not like one person of like 20 salespeople doing demos all day. They meet you. And, and on the other side of it, when you finish that demo of drip jobs, you will often go to site to go provide an estimate for premium. So you are, you are a hustler. Um, and I love that, but you're also, and you're also a sales guy. So you've, you know, you've, uh, sold cars, you've sold life insurance and now you do This, I would just love to pick your brain on some like, what are, your, what are you a big proponent of in the sales game? What works? You, could you describe maybe your tactics, your strategy, your
2: sales style? Because yeah. um, yeah. I'm just personally curious about it. Yeah, stack the deck, man. You know, when I sold cars, I sold Toyota. Um, you know, when I sold life insurance, I worked for a brokerage that had 40 different options. Um, when I created premium painting, I knew that we were the most professional because when I was recruiting people, I knew that that is who I'm selling. So, you know, ultimately I can come with a certain level of confidence that my product is superior. I have no... I have no doubt that my solution is going to solve your need and exceed your expectations. So, maybe I'm an average salesperson, but I sell above average products that make it easy, you know. So for me, you know, that was kind of challenging for drip jobs early on because I started with a development company to build it, and it was not up to par in the first six months. There were bugs. Things weren't working right. It was so stressful because that's that's opposite of my nature. Think about it like this, Benji. In my painting business, if something doesn't go right, I can always go in, and I can paint, and I can fix it. Mm -hmm. I can figure it out when something doesn't go right with software, I can't fix it. So that was really hard for me early on. But what it did was it got me to the point where I said enough is enough. And I got so resourceful because of how timid I was becoming in those demos to find the solutions that actually allowed me to stack the deck in drip jobs, which made me find a CTO who took full ownership, maybe mm. find another developer. And now we have three full time. Mm. And that to me is just powerful leverage when it comes to selling. So even today, in my painting business it's like you know the whole mindset is again i'm an average salesperson but i sell above average stuff Mm, mm -hmm. and i feel like that right there is my hidden secret sauce i focus on the production the production is most important whenever there's an issue in production that gets all of my attention because that is my product Mm -hmm. so when the product isn't up to speed and i can't sell it confidently and go into the house as if when they leave they're like whoa if we hire him, they're going to do a great job, yeah. you know? And in the same breath, when I'm doing a software demo, there's a certain confidence that just, it's like an energy that's like, Hey, you know, you're going to want, th- you're going to want this, you know, yeah. it's like one of those things. So, yeah. you know, I hope that kind of, no, I totally gives you does. Some insight on it, uh, you, you mentioned
1: like uh, a bit about sort of, your journey, I wonder if you could say more about the the process of of building software because so many people talk about this, yeah, I've met many, many contractors who kind of go have that same trope. Well, I tried this, I tried that, yeah. nothing is perfect. I think we're just sure. gonna build this from the ground up. But you know no one ever really does, or maybe they dabble and then they realize how hard it is. For someone that's listening that has maybe wondered like what is that actually like, especially for someone that doesn't code? What is, what is the software journey been like for you? Can you maybe run us through high level
2: the early days, what it was like in the middle, where it is now, man, I'd love to share that because I'm sure a lot of people have, have ideas about apps and things. And you know, first of all, there's gotta be a certain level of, uh, you know, project management ability, which naturally you get from being a contractor. And I actually learned that with developers. It's very, very similar in contracting you know especially if you have a team number one you don't take on projects that you know are going to throw off the momentum of the team number two you're not going to overwork your team to meet a deadline that's just going to create poor morale number three your job is to absorb the stress and then divide the stress in a way that it could be digested in other words if there's a big problem you don't just throw it at your develop your development team or in my case my painting my painters you know essentially i digest the problem and kind of organize it in a way that they can do what they do best which is act in their capacity right so my job is to kind of organize everything so when it came to like my idea of drip jobs i had to first create the the plan of how it was going to be but then you know that plan and software i mean it got completely derailed because I didn't convey everything the way that I should. And what I learned with developers is, is that it has to be to the point of like, they just need to read and build, read and build. It's kind of like looking at plans and, I had to get a lot more direct with what I wanted. And that was hard because I didn't know what software could do. I didn't know how things could be built. So that was the biggest challenge, was learning how to convey information to a developer that was digestible and that they could build. Because if they build in the wrong direction, you're paying for that time and it's wasted time. And then guess what? You have to test it and realize it's not what you wanted and you wasted a bunch of money on that.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. I can only imagine how difficult it is uh it, how difficult it is to, to lead someone or give instructions to someone who is who does a highly technical role that you yourself yeah. don't fully grasp. <laughs> like I had no clue. There's that saying, like it's the dumb leading the blind, yeah. which I'm not but saying that you're dumb or that they're blind, is, but it is no. kind of apt, isn't it? You're like- It was crazy. Yeah.
2: It was crazy because you know, you're know you an ideas person. If, you're, if you have an idea for an app, you're visionary and, and, and developers are used to this. They know that, all oh, great, we got another idea guy that comes with their- <laughs> These yeah, yeah, they see ideas. you coming from a mile away. Ah, they know it, you know, and it's like, it's a funny joke internally, you know, it's like, while you're in there, you know, it's like, Hey, while you're in there, can you do this as if it's like this quick thing? Um, but you know, I started off with a development agency that kind of built the prototype of it. Um, you know, this was, uh, you know, this was a pretty large investment early on. Um, and then from there, you know, again, kind of what I learned was it's almost like outsourcing your paint jobs, right? In other words, like you don't have full control over the aspect of when it gets done, how it gets done to the standard of which it gets done. You just have to follow their rules and there were a lot of things that i didn't know that were getting done and needed to be fixed and i was just in line because i was sharing their time so the hardest part i mean this is what you know i believe was like the make it or break it this was like are you are you really going to go all in on this are you gonna you know this is this is my initiation into the marketplace of being a prominent software company it was like how are you going to handle the adversity of bringing in your own CTO, giving them the code, trusting them and building that relationship and being resourceful enough to do this? I didn't know anyone that could code personally. I just found this development company and then I had to pivot and uh, through my through some resourcefulness, you know, I was able to do that uh, and it worked out. Yeah.
1: Did you, did you do a big raise for this? Like how did, how did the, I mean, you just mentioned like you, you're uh, working with the development company, then you found a CTO. I mean, all this stuff costs money. Did you, did you bootstrap this? Did you get some dough from some investors? What, What did that side of the equation look like?
2: Uh, yeah, it was a, a fully bootstrap project, 100%, all my savings, uh, about 75% of my savings wow. went into it. Um, I talk, talked to my wife and said, you know, hey, this is what they quoted us to do it. Um, I believe we can do it. And I know that there's a, a need for this. Yeah. Um, and I just wrote the biggest check I ever wrote in my life. Wow. That's crazy. That is <laughs> yeah, a crazy not even gamble. sure if anyone was going to grab it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah,
1: that's so cool, man. And it's, it's so neat to see, to see yeah. it, seeing the light of day and users are using it and they're loving it. And the, and the features are getting better and the brand is building. It's just neat to hear, uh, yeah. you know, amazing stories often have humble beginnings. In fact, they almost always do. Um, always. Okay. Here's, here's a question I've been, I've been, uh, I've been wanting to ask you for a while when you look at, um, you know, what you've done on the painting side versus what you've done on the drip job sides, one is a, one is a software, uh, highly tech driven. The other is a very manual human driven business. These journeys on paper look very, very different. They look very different. Um, yeah. But I suspect there are some similarities because business has sort of is is funny that way. It's the skin you put on the outside changes, the genre changes, but a lot of the challenges internally are the same. What have you come to understand are the most fundamental business challenges that entrepreneurs in any space need to get really, really good at solving?
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think we talked about this, you know, about how, you know, managing both have a lot of similarities, you know, and I also believe that I'm a little... I'm in a pretty decent position because I own a business that utilizes the software. So I'm the best tester of the software, you know, and also I have a different motivation because I want to use some of these features, you know, as, and it's funny because I'm hitting a new level in my painting business. We just started a third crew and um, you know, now I can, I can understand what people with three crews need on a intrinsic level to be able to, pretty much explain document and outline that to the developers and say, Hey, I'm living this. I understand. So I, I lose a lot of the speculation that some other software companies have because I'm living it. Um, in terms of, you know, your question of just, you know, identifying some similarities of how these businesses operate, man. It's so interesting because from my perspective, obviously it's, it's, it's mostly the same on the sales side in terms of acquisition, creating awareness around the product. And, first solving a need and having a differentiating factor. I think a lot of people in the contracting space really don't spend enough time on their differentiating factors. In software, you don't have a choice, right? Software is software is software until somebody comes out with a differentiating factor. And at that point, the market for software is wide open because you've filled a really big gap right and i think that on a low level i've done that with my painting business it's not like uncommon but it's something that's more common than not is that we bring four painters to every job and that's our differentiating factor and in most cases you know painters will be sent one, maybe two people at a time. Well, I can use that as my differentiating factor when I'm selling paint jobs and saying, Hey, not only can we get your job done in three days, you're going to have four painters here to ensure of that. And it's going to be done efficiently. Um, so like, you know, I always think of it like that. So in other words, like we have the acquisition side and then we have the sales process. It's very similar, right? I have a prospect that's interested. That's usually considering other options. And I have an opportunity to not only identify what their needs are and try to fill those needs. Um, Obviously, people just want paint jobs on the painting side, but on the software side, they have like 20 things they want. Oh, I wanted to do this, and I wanted to do this, and I want to do this, you know, so it's kind of like, you know, it's interesting because on the painting side, We, we do different things under the same umbrella, right? So in other words, we'll paint, you know, a house, a shed, you know, we'll paint, you know, whatever that is. But on the software side, it's a little bit different because we're trying to do the same thing for everyone, right? So everyone that signs up for the software, you know, we got to try to make it a very, you know, general, um, approach. So that's kind of like some of the similarities on the sales side. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that comment about, uh, we can go back to it for a second, differentiating factor. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, especially with what, with what we do. And it's like, I, I, I work in a like marketing and sales organization, um, differentiating factor. Another term for that would be like, what is your unique mechanism? That's what marketers would call it. Um, KFC does not make very good fried chicken, but they have the 11 herbs and spices. I mean, that is their yeah. unique mechanism. And I know cause I'm yeah. a fried chicken expert. Not a lot yeah. of people know that I have my black belt in this, in this category, but that, so that is their, that is their unique mechanism. That is like, that is the one yeah. thing that they've really said is that differentiates us from these other right. fried chicken places. And even though the chicken sucks, yeah. they've obviously been super successful, you know, in a software thing, you would have a differentiating factor that you communicate yep. in your brand in car- Contracting, I don't think that this concept have, has made its way to this space yet, but it will really soon. And I'll say this, uh, good quality work and my painters show up in time, that ain't it. Because that's what everyone else nah. is saying. Yeah. That's what everyone else yeah. is saying. So there's this unique mechanism that I think uh, small business owners would be really smart to think through at this point. What is the one thing that we do very, very well, that we we deliver reliably, our customers yeah. love, and it's simple enough that we can communicate to a client. And by the way, this sure. is where like a good sort of brand, like creative marketing mind can really serve you. It doesn't actually need to be that unique in and of itself. You don't need to like completely reinvent the yeah. way houses get painted. Sure. You just have to say, hey, you know what's different about us? Every site gets four four people. You know what I mean? Right.
2: And Here, that is like the a, here's, hook. Here's,
1: that clients just go, Oh my God, I've finally, yeah. someone gets me. I'm yeah. going with this guy.
2: Here's one. Here's one. Whenever I do an interior painting estimate, that's the full house, Benji. I'll say, you know, what's different. And I always say it like this. I'll say, you know, what's different about yeah. us? And I'll say what I say on day one, we actually complete your master bedroom and bathroom top to bottom. So you can sleep in there when we're done. Boom. So we, we put all of our resources in the master. Yeah, that works. <laughs> that gets the checkbook
1: out. Oh, man. What a yeah, good line. Man. You so, shouldn't have said that. We might have, no, have to cut that about. from the episode, Tanner. It's just too good. Such a good line. I don't want anyone else using it. Um, but yeah, no, anyway, I like that. That's the idea. Differentiating factor, unique mechanism. What do you do that exceptionally yeah. well that customers love, you can deliver reliably, and you can explain simply to your clients? You sure. will notice an immediate boost in engagement. And closing ratio, you can charge more, the yeah. brand starts to take off and it's just it's just a cool marketing concept that is well understood in other spaces, which and I and I think is like a lot of things, is is slowly making its way to to trades and home services and construction, et cetera.
2: Well, would it, well, well, I think I want to hit on that one more time because I think on the marketing side, the only thing that it should do is should create curiosity. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like, I believe that a differentiated fact, like, like you said, 11 herbs and spices. Well, that's interesting, right? right? Then on the sales side, the delivery of that is where it comes together, right? The delivery of like how those 11 herbs and spices Impact the chicken. Right? Or, hey, we have our, you know, let's say our our unique, you know, proposition in that case would be the the bedroom, you know, and say we have a, you know, red carpet experience or whatever for the master. And then when it comes there, hey, let me explain to you how that works. Right? So, you know, that's kind of just, you know, I I love using them on both sides. You
1: are, you are, you know, you've hit pay dirt on this front when you have created a curiosity loop. Like we are in the consulting and coaching business, right? Like that is what we do. Now we could say we're the best coaches in the world. We have the best content in the world. We do all these things really great, but guess what? That's what all of our competitors are saying also. But when we say, listen, what we do is we implement the BTA management system, period. People go, Ooh, what's that? Right. And then, yeah. you and then you've, sure. you've, you've walked them into a conversation <laughs> yeah. that you can have, where you're really selling well and, and, and showcasing yeah. your unique mechanism. So it's just, it's a really, I don't know, it's a very compelling concept. It's, it's an easy way to yeah. give your brand and your sales team a lift. Um, we're almost out of time here, but I want to ask you this last fun one. Okay. This is, uh, you know, you've, you've been on an incredible journey here over the last little bit with with these two ventures and I, I know it's just getting started, but I suspect you've gained some wisdom along the way. What do you know now about business or about life generally speaking? What do yeah. you know now that you wish you knew back then?
2: Oh man, you know, let's start with business. Uh for me, you know, the top is lonely, man. This is just real. You know, the top is lonely as a business owner. I mean, you know, at the end of the day you build relationships with the people you work with, but ultimately you're in charge and there has to be a certain gap in between that. Um, if you want a successful business, I learned that in the restaurant, there was a lot of intermingling, you know, it's just a very friendly, fun environment. But then when it came time for me to manage, even as a young manager, you know, I didn't get taken seriously, you know? So when I created my own business, you know, I had to keep that distance between my employees and myself. Not everyone operates like that, but you know, for me in the trade specifically, a lot of people come from unprofessional environments. They come from environments that's lackadaisical. And, you know, I can't get the most out of people if there's not that gap, that gap of like, Hey, you know what? This is serious. Tanner doesn't play about certain things. He's cool, but he's not my friend. And maybe again, I'm, I'm a friend to a certain degree, but not to the degree of, Hey, I can get away with this. And that was really hard for me because I love people. Like I love my guys, you know, but again, there's, there's times where I have to be a boss. Um, and I used to get really just like worked up about that, you know, and I, and I learned that's just part of the game because some people take advantage. You know, you have people that see kindness and they, they don't appreciate a giving boss. And you know, I would take that to heart too. So advice I'd give myself early on is to just stay true to those beliefs and the right people will respect you um, in a way that helps you build the business because they don't just care about themselves. And I'd also say to myself, you got to fire quick, you know, although it's hard, you've got to fire, you got to let the wrong people go. You cannot teach character; You can only teach skill. Don't, don't be a character, uh, incubator. That is not your job. You know, be a skill incubator and then, and then increase character that already exists. You don't want to start it from ground up. So that's my business side of things. And then on the personal front, um, you know, I would say it's similar in a sense because when you own a business like this, you don't shut off the valve. You're 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 in business mode all the time, you know. And for me, uh, the big thing I'm still learning is is time management on the family front, uh, which you know I'm I'm focusing just keep it at the forefront. It's family's most important uh, business comes second.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You said it all, my
1: friend. I really love that comment
2: about the power
1: distance part. Like we like we're cool. Like we like each other. and We work well together. Yeah, we're good. But like that doesn't right. mean that we're best friends. There's a difference. And I think that, uh, minding that gap is something that good leaders get really good at doing. Uh, but it's not easy at first. So, uh, great points, power, distance, fire fast, save some time for the, for the family as, as much as you can. Um, man you are you are chock full of wisdom and gold nuggets this has been an absolute pleasure getting to know you over the last couple weeks kind of prepping for this um i'm really excited to i'm really excited to see you on the road again i'm sure we'll cross paths at a conference soon uh final question as a football guy who's going to the super bowl this year
2: oh man football let's see you know it's just too early to tell um, you know if I were to you know kind of look at look at what's going on man I don't know I like the bucks again man I think we'll bring them to the Super Bowl let's say bucks first AFC team you know I'll go with the I'll go you know actually the Eagles I think the Eagles are good yeah, Eagles really bucks insane. in the in the final for the NFC AFC will go Titans uh chiefs. Okay. And then we'll see who wins. We got you. We got, we got it recorded. We'll come back to this
1: in February and see how you did. It's been a pleasure, man. Right, cool. We'll, uh, we'll see you next yeah. time. Thank you.
2: All right. Thanks so much, Benji. Man, appreciate the opportunity.
1: Thanks so much for watching this episode of contractor evolution. If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it.